0: Heavenly Father, thank you for each person who is here. Give us ears to hear what you want to say to us this morning. Help me, God, to preach your word clearly and point everyone and myself to Jesus, your Son. In his name I pray, amen. You can be seated. Well, this is All Saints Sunday. We celebrate All Saints and um, on All Saints Sunday, we, we remember before God and we give thanks to God for those who have passed on before us. And so on this All Saints Sunday, I'd like us to reflect on these words that we read from Hebrews 11, which uh, those of you who are Bible students maybe thought, what are they saying that the Apostle Paul wrote Hebrews Oh, we don't have a conviction about that. that. was a mistake in the bulletin. That slipped through. Anytime we have the uh, book of Hebrews, it seems that we end up making this mistake. So, I didn't catch that. So, we, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, uh, but uh, these words were written to Jewish Christians who were going through suffering and persecution, and the writer of uh, this book is a concerned pastor. He wants these believers to endure to the very, very end of their life, clinging to the promises that God has made His people in Jesus Christ. And I want us to think about these words in 11.13. These all died in faith. These all died in faith. I want to be part of that group. These all died in faith. My prayer is that you will be part of that group. You will be numbered among those about whom it can be said. These all died in faith. In the parable that Peter just read, it seems to me that Jesus is teaching that there's a finality at death. There's a window that closes. There's a door that shuts. There isn't going to be an opportunity for faith and repentance. Abraham says in this parable to the rich man who, who died and is in Hades, this rich man who had closed his, his heart to, to God and, and to love, he says, Abraham in heaven, the rich man in Hades Between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there where you are to us. A door has been shut. There's a finality here. It's what I believe Jesus is teaching. And so, what could be of greater consequence, of more importance, than to die in faith. To die in the promises, clinging to the promises of God in Christ. Many of us, I'm sure, have been to funerals of those who have died in faith. And we've been to funerals of those who did not die in faith. Or at least, there was a question... Or maybe there was clarity. Maybe it was clear that this person resisted all the way to the end. And if you have had that experience of going to funerals of those who died in faith and those who have rejected the faith, you know that there's a difference between those who grieve, but they grieve in hope, and those who are grieving from a place of hopelessness. So it's so important that we might be numbered among those who died in faith. In faith. What does that mean? What does that entail? Well, taking our cue from some of these scriptures in Hebrews 11, it means to die in faith means to die in hope in the future that God has promised for His people. It says that Abraham, in verse 10, was was looking forward to the city that has foundations. The city of God. The designer and builder is God. He was looking forward. He had hope. He was anticipating the realization of promises that God had made to him and his people. Looking forward. And then we see in verse 13... The writer's talking about Abraham and Sarah and the patriarchs, but particularly I think he's focusing here at this point on Abraham and Sarah. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them or saluted them, you could translate that, from afar. They recognized these promises. But they did not receive them in this life. Uh Remember, God made promises to Abraham and Sarah that their descendants would be as numerous as the stars and as the sand on the seashore. And they didn't realize that promise in this life. Um, They didn't see their descendants expanding in that way. And, And so there was a gap between What God had promised them, a future promise, and the reception of that promise in this life. Just just like in our life, there are things that God has promised to us, but they're future things. And, And we're called to, by faith, believe in these future promises of God as well. But they did have some recognition of these promises. They did get a glimpse of these promises it says that they greeted them from afar. They, they saw them through the eyes of faith. They did get a glimpse. For example, Abraham and Sarah did get a glimpse of this fulfillment of the promise of these descendants when God miraculously provided them with the son, Isaac, uh, uh, the, the child of promise who, who came to them only by the power of God in their old age. They saw that God had the power to fulfill those kinds of promises. And and, and so, as God blessed them in their lifetime, it strengthened their faith for the future. God blesses us in the present so that we might have faith for the future. So that we might cling to the promises that He's made to us in Christ about the future. Through the eyes of faith, they saw that he would fulfill all of his promises. Now, friends, Christ has made promises to us about the future beyond this life. Christ has given his church, his people, beautiful promises about the future, what lies beyond this life. And don't have time to go through all of them, but... But one beautiful promise is what Jesus said in John 14 to his disciples. And he says this to all his disciples. I go and prepare a place for you. So that where I am, you may be also. So that where I am, you may be also. I love the little poem. I quote it often. My knowledge of that life is small, the life to come. My faith is sometimes dim, but it is enough that Christ is all and I will be with him. I go and prepare a place for you. And numerous promises that God makes to us in Christ about this future And just as God did with Abraham and Sarah, God strengthens us in our journey. He strengthens our faith in this present life through many blessings so that we might have faith for what He promised in the future. He blesses us by speaking to us in His Word these promises. He blesses us if we're in Christ with the the very presence of the Spirit of God dwelling within us. He blesses us As we gather together in fellowship with one another, we are to encourage one another in these things. The writer of Hebrews stresses that. Do not neglect getting together. Do not neglect or forsake the assembly so that you might encourage one another. That's a blessing that God has given us, the body of Christ. And uh, he strengthens us with the sacraments each Sunday. We can look back, many of us, on on what, what we might call, what the old writers called, remarkable provinces of God in our life. Things that we can see where God's hand was at work, where He was answering prayer. Friends, those are blessings that God gives us in the present so we might have hope in His promises about the future. Well, this is how we ought to think about the future, that there is a A a, a holy city. There are remarkable uh, blessings in store for us as we depart this life in faith. C.S. Lewis, when he was at the end of his life, he, he suffered a heart attack first. And then he went into a coma. And then he rallied and he came out of this coma and uh, then he lived for a few more months after this experience. And uh, he wrote a letter to a friend after he'd come out of the heart attack and the coma. And he said, well, this was a shame because I was led right up to the gates of heaven and now I've been pulled back. <laughs> and he said, it was quite painless and now I'm going to have to go through it all over again. Poor Lazarus, he said. <laughs> you know, this is Lewis, his remarkable style here. But then he said, later on, he said, you know, if we really believe in what we say we believe, there should be something of a looking forward to, being in the presence of God. If we really believe what we say we believe, there should be something in us that looks forward to what God has promised. And, uh, of course, we don't look forward necessarily to the journey, but we look forward to the destination." And so that's part, of, that's part of dying in faith is having this hope for the future that God has promised. Now the other side of the coin is knowing that I'm leaving this world which is not my home. This is not my permanent place. And so the writer says these died in faith. These all died in faith having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles in the earth, in the world. The patriarchs confessed that they were strangers in exiles when Abraham buried his wife Sarah after she died. He went to the people of the land that he was sojourning in, and he said, "I'm a sojourner, and I'm a foreigner here. Would you buy me a plot would would you allow me to buy a plot of your land so that I could bury my dead?" He confessed that he was a sojourner in this land. And all of God's people are strangers, are exiles in this world. This world is not our home. In fact, that's true of all, every person, whether they are in Christ or outside of Christ. This world is not our permanent home. But for the Christian, for the believer, there's this sense that I'm a stranger and I'm an exile in this place. Now, I've, I've never lived in a foreign country. Some of, you, some of you have. Some of you are living in the land that is not your birthplace. I've never had that experience. Um, but if you've had that experience, you, you know this sense of, of being in a place, but as the saying goes, not of it. Of being somewhat a stranger, somewhat in exile. When my daughter was studying in Spain, Grace, our oldest daughter, she lived there for a semester. And, um, and she loved her experience there in Spain. She, she loved so much about it. She loved the, the food. She, she loved the architecture uh, as she got to travel in Spain and throughout Europe. Uh, she, she loved being able to converse to a small degree uh, in Spanish. But as the time went on... She began to get homesick. And and there were things that were starting to really irritate her about being in Spain and about the culture there. And she was starting to get frustrated because even though she could have little snatches of conversation, she couldn't deeply relate to the, the people that were there. She wanted to get back home, get back to the places that she loved, the restaurants and the stores and her family and especially her mother she was homesick. By the end of the trip, she was more than ready to come home. And that's how it is. That's how it ought to be with the Christian in this world. There are many things in this world that we appreciate, that we enjoy, that we delight in. God wants us to enjoy this life that He's given us and this world that He's made to, to delight in, in creation. Look at the beautiful day that God has given us. To delight, in, delight in, in art and culture and all the good things of this world. And give thanks to God for it. And and God calls us to be a blessing to others while we are in this world. Abraham, by the way, was a great blessing to the people he was around. There was a time where he delivered people who were being terrorized by these kings. And he got his army together and he rid the land of these kings. And that was a great blessing to the people who were living in that place. So we're called to be a blessing as God has given us this life and to the light and the good gifts He's given us. But this world is not our home. And there ought to be something of a sense of homesickness about it, about us. Because, as the writer of Hebrews says at the beginning of this chapter, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Christians are in touch with unseen realities. And these unseen realities have shaped our hearts and our wills and our minds. So that our desires are not in harmony with those who've not been in touch with those unseen realities. We want them to be in touch with those very things that we're in touch with. But a genuine Christian's heart is different, and that means the will is different, and the desires are different. We've been in touch with some unseen realities: the love of God poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, the forgiveness of our sins, the the Word of God coming alive and becoming a a a, a um. Wisdom for us as we travel in this world. A different sort of set of values. A, a Christian loves different things. Loves the Word of God. Loves the people of God. And that causes us to long for something that this world cannot give, which is the city of God. To be with Him. To be with Christ. To be with Him. To, 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 to see God. To realize what Revelation 21 promises. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. That's what makes heaven heaven. It's to be with God. Who, who has given us these unseen realities. So that they become an anchor in our souls. And so that's what makes heaven. Heaven. Um, to be with God, sometimes we have a rather kind of maybe selfish way of thinking about heaven, you know, and we talk about wow well, if i well on monday tomorrow i 'm going hopefully God willing to go fishing at a at a river where there 's some trout now sometimes I say that would be heaven to me to go to a place, a beautiful place and fish and actually catch a lot of fish, that would be heaven. <laughs> Sometimes we talk about it in that in that sense, like there's, it's about fulfilling my kind of desires. But what really will make heaven heaven is to be with God, to be with God's people, to experience the glory of God in a way that we've only got a little taste of here. And so that is what is in store with or for the people of God. In this dwelling place of God where God is, there there will be, as Revelation 21 says, Death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. The former things have passed away. And so, we remember that as we look at the brokenness of our world. This is the future that God has promised for His people. A new heaven and a new earth. As we look at the brokenness of our world, as we suffer with broken bodies, Bodies that are beginning, some of us, to break down. As we think about uh, the injustice of the world today and the horrors that we read about in war and terrorism, as we think about cancer wards and, and people who are struggling with various diseases and things, here's a hope that God has given us in Christ. Death shall be no more, neither shall there be no mourning, or crying, or pain. The former things have passed away. And so this strengthens our heart. And we ought always to be ready to meet the Lord. We ought always to be prepared. We're doing a, a seminar on Saturday on finishing well. And we're talking about how Christians can prepare for the end of this life. And Barb Quigley gave me a wonderful book about preparing for the end, a guy named Rob Mall, and he wrote this book as a young man, relatively young man, about being ready to meet God and to live with hope. It's not just about dying, right? It's about living in faith to the very end. But tragically, this man who had just written this book about preparing to meet God died at 41 in an accident, climbing a mountain. We just never know at whatever stage of life. This life is a gift. And God can call us home at any time. Are you ready to meet God? To die in faith finally means, most of all, and I should take another sermon to preach on this, but it means looking to faith in Jesus Christ. It means looking to faith because in Him all of God's promises are fulfilled. And so the writer says, let us run the race of endurance that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. He is the author of our salvation. He's the founder of this. He's the founder of it because it's His perfect life lived in our place. It's His sacrificial death on the cross for our sins. It is His miraculous resurrection. That gives us hope. It gives us peace with God now. That we can stand in the righteousness of Christ. That our sins can be forgiven. And that we have a foundation for believing that after this life we will be with God. Because he has conquered the grave. He's the author of our faith. And if you're here today and you are afraid of death, look to Jesus who rose and conquered the grave. If you're here today and your conscience weighs you down with sin and guilt, and so that this idea of meeting God fills you with some fear and trepidation, look to Jesus, the author of salvation, for the forgiveness of your sin. He is the author of this. He's the founder of all this. But then I love this. He is the perfecter of our faith. Because as we think about these things, isn't it true? That we know we ought to live with this kind of strong faith. This world is not my home. I'm looking forward to heaven. It's easy to say that on a Sunday morning. It's more difficult Monday through Saturday. And our faith is often weak. And our longing for the things that we ought to long for is often weak. And so we have a perfecter, you see. We have somebody who completes this. We have somebody who finishes this. Our faith is weak, but He is the one who perfects it. And so, this is not about how strong our faith is. This is about how strong He is, Christ is, the object of our faith. And so we can take our weak faith and we can trust in Him, the perfecter of it. And He will complete it. It's like if you were going into heart surgery and you had to have this emergency heart surgery. And you pick a surgeon. You believe that he can do this job that will save your life. And as you head into the surgical room, your faith begins to waver a bit. But that doesn't matter because you're going into the surgeon's hands and what will give you life is Him and the work that He does. And you've already trusted enough to put your life in His hands. That's it. He's the perfecter of our faith. We can take our weak faith to Him and He will complete it. That is good news. That is good news. He will sustain us all the way to the end. You know, we live in a world that uh, is skeptical about these things. And so, some people say today, well, after this life, it's just oblivion. It's just nothingness. I think there's a show about that called The Good Place. And I haven't watched it, but I read about it. It said the good place in this show is kind of a boring place. And the better place is oblivion. That's kind of the hope that some people have. And then some people today have this hope of maybe AI somehow will be able to upload our brains into a virtual world and we can exist out there. And they don't have this hope in God. Because there's a sense that, 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 that people are cut off from these unseen realities that I'm talking about. That this world is all there is. We need to recover this sense that that God is real and there's an unknown, or an unseen, rather, world that we can know. One writer talks about the modern self as the buffered self. Buffered against, not how it used to be for millennia, buffered against any sort of supernatural reality. But those who are in Christ have tasted something of these realities. I'll share a final story uh, this is a story that was written by a guy who has a master's from Harvard Divinity School. I only share that because this is not somebody who's a holy roller. He he has a master's of divinity from Harvard. He's a chaplain. He wrote about his grandfather who was a pastor and had been a pastor in a small church community for decades. And this old grandfather, this pastor, went to live with a granddaughter It was the author's sister. And she told him this story about her grandfather, this pastor, who had lived faithfully for Christ for decades. And she said that at the end of his life, he was 99 years old when he died. And she was in the house and washing dishes and out comes old grandpa. And he says, honey, thank you for taking me in. Thank you for all that you've done for me. I just want you to know that an angel has told me I'm going home and I'll see you later. He went back to his bedroom and laid down for his afternoon nap. And then she said, okay, you know, kind of weird. Forty-five minutes later, she checked on him and he was gone. He was gone. I share that with you again, not, not because these things, those, that, that's a, obviously not a common experience, so I hesitated to share it with you, but there are enough stories like that that I am aware of, and some in my own personal experience, that testify to this unseen reality. So that experience of dying is uncommon, but what's not common, or what is common for every Christian, is that we can have that hope that we will go to be with Him. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for each one of us. I pray for myself. I pray for everyone here.
1: That they would
0: have this hope in the future promises that you've made to us that are secure in Christ. And and that we would live with this strong hope And when we're weak, we can take our weak faith to You and You can strengthen us in these things. We thank You for the way that You do that. And we pray, God, that You'd help us to endure to the very end. And if there's anyone here who's not put their faith in Christ, the author and finisher, today that they would do, I pray that they would receive Christ and His forgiveness and the hope that He offers. In Jesus' name pray these things. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Amen.